And then there were four. The Louisville women's basketball team is back in the Final Four after defeating Michigan in the Elite Eight. We'll talk about how a balanced attack led the Cardinals over the Wolverines while also previewing the upcoming matchup against South Carolina on this episode of the Locked On the Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the university in various sports. And I want to take this time, as always, to personally thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And just a reminder, the Locked On Louisville Podcast is free on all streaming services. Five days a week, your team every day as i mentioned the global women's basketball team back in the final four we'll talk about how the cardinals balanced attack led them over the wolverines in the elite eight on monday evening we will also do a brief initial preview of the team's matchup with the number one overall seeded south carolina gamecocks in the national semifinal on friday and in the final segment we will take a step back go over to men's basketball where the team uh, well, I guess you could say the program just let two signees out of their letters of intent. They will likely go elsewhere. So we'll start out with the victory in the Elite Eight from Monday evening, 62-50 to 50 over the third-seeded Michigan Wolverines in Wichita, Kansas. Now this, as I mentioned, was a balanced attack. That is nothing new for this Louisville women's basketball team. That's you know pretty much what we've been used to in terms of watching them this season. Um, they don't necessarily have one player that always stands out. It's usually um, a solid nucleus of players that really rise to the occasion. Um, but but that ended up being the case on Monday evening against Michigan. I'll be honest, there were times in the game where it, it was a little bit um, you know concerning because of the scoring droughts that they went on. They went on a couple scoring droughts, especially in the fourth quarter where the Wolverines um, – Cut the lead to two. It was 52-50, to 50, and then the Cardinals went on a 10-0 run to end the game and put the contest out of reach. Uh, defensively speaking, this this was a, a contest to where, you know, they, they forced Michigan to take some tough shots. I thought that, um, you know, the officiating was a little bit uh, one-sided considering the fact that Michigan shot 20 free throws, Louisville only nine. Um, Nas Hillman alone shot more free throws than the whole Louisville basketball team. Um, but overall, defensively, you have to be, um, you know, satisfied with the effort that the Cardinals gave. They forced Michigan to go three for 14 from behind the arc, uh, 35% from the field. They also forced 22 turnovers. That was a, an aspect of the game that I thought that Louisville needed to take advantage of was the turnover battle, and they won that battle 22-22. Um, to 12. So Haley Van Litt, the sophomore sensation, her legend is being created as we speak. It has been, you know, it has been being created since, you know, probably halfway through ACC play. But she is cementing her legacy with her play in the NCAA tournament, the fourth straight consecutive NCAA tournament game in which she scored over 20 points. And she had some big time baskets in this one. I know. In that game against Tennessee on Saturday in the Sweet 16, it was a little rough. Um, it didn't necessarily shoot the ball all that well. In this one, 9 for 15 from the field, game high, 22 points um, to go along with three rebounds and two steals. So, you know, the aspect of maybe not necessarily having a number one score coming into the season 
Well, Haley Van Lith is starting to fill that void. And one can imagine that next season, she will likely be in that role that Dana Evans, Asia Durr, Shoni Schimmel, so on and so forth have held. So very, very excited for um, you know what Haley's been able to do. I know everyone has seen the clip at the end of the game and the um, you know the not necessarily the post game presser, but on the court when um, Haley was talking to some reporters and how she you know was talking about how Kobe and Gigi um, would tell her to go you know for lack of better terms go get it. Um, I held out some explicitives, but overall. I mean, it's there's a ton of storylines heading into the Final Four, a ton of storylines that are being, you know, ignited throughout this um, NCAA tournament. One of them is the legend that Haley Van Lith is becoming. Um, on the other hand, you have Emily Ingsler, who, you know, before before the uh, weekend was like, I, you know, I've never cut down any nets at Syracuse. And obviously she did just that in her one year at Louisville. Got emotional in the postgame press conference when talking about Jeff Walls and what he's meant to not only her, but the team. And although she didn't necessarily shoot the ball uh, well at all, I mean, she was one for nine from the field in 35 minutes of action on Monday evening, five points. But, but get this, it was exactly like the last time the Cardinals played the Wolverines. She had 16 rebounds, um, led you know, led all players in rebounding, also had six steals, four assists, one block. A lot of these steals came in the last two minutes or so, um, kind of coming down the stretch in the fourth quarter. So uh, made some big-time plays. Even though her shot wasn't falling, it, it continually, you know, represents that, you know, the notion that her impact – it spans way beyond the stat sheet and what she's able to do as a scorer because, you know, she's one of the more complete basketball players that Jeff Wallace has had at Louisville. That's no disrespect to any of the other players that have come before her. Um, but Emily Ingsler, there's not one thing on the court that she can't do. Defensively, she is very, very valuable. Offensively speaking, you know, her ability to pass the ball and be the, um, you know, kind of a point forward at times with her size and in her role in the, you know, in the pick and roll game and stuff like that. I think that she does a very good job in all aspects of the game. Um, Kiana Smith didn't necessarily shoot the ball well, hasn't shot the ball well in the past uh, two games or so, um, but she still shot five for 13 from the field, one for four from behind the arc. She scored 11 points, also had three steals. Chelsea Hall, um, you know, Quite possibly her best game as a Cardinal, the Vanderbilt transfer, had 15 points, uh, four steals, two assists, um, was three for three from behind the arc in the first half, really helped the Cardinals get going offensively when other players weren't necessarily stepping up in that regard. And, and she just made some big key time plays down the stretch. Um, you know, it's no disrespect to her and what she's been able to do throughout the year. You know, you're thinking, okay, 15 points is the best that she's played. Well, considering context, considering the fact that you're playing on, you know, a stage that will get you to the final four, if you can come up victorious, I think that she looked extremely confident, um, attacking the basket, um, defensively was, um, you know, very solid in the full court press that the Cardinals were, um, incorporating. And like I mentioned, the three-point baskets at the beginning of the half in the first were definitely valuable. But I would be remiss if I did not mention Olivia Cochran as having a huge, huge role in this game. You know, Jeff Wall said after the Tennessee game, and we talked about it on this show, that, look, maybe she didn't necessarily have the best offensive game, but make no mistake about it, the Cardinals don't get past Tennessee if Olivia Cochran is not on the court. 
you kind of got those same vibes in the Elite Eight against Michigan. Um, she struggled a little bit. You could tell she was, she was um, in some pain, maybe not necessarily 100%, played 20 minutes, got into some foul trouble early on in the first three quarters. She had nine points, four rebounds, um, shot the ball four for seven from the from the field. Um, had three turnovers. Uh, some of the turnovers were a little bit costly, I won't lie. But at the end of the day, she had a string of baskets down in crunch time that ultimately helped the Cardinals go up by, I think it was eight points. So, I mean, you know, the, her ability to, you know, kind of reach down deep and um, just put it all on the court. I mean, she's an absolute warrior. You can't question her toughness. Um, like I mentioned, there were times during the game where it was like, um, you know, maybe she needs a sub, but she kept on going, especially in that fourth quarter. You could tell she was gassed. Um, you know, there, the aspect of it that, you know, people have said before that breathing in one of those face masks are, is easier said than done. So I wonder if that played a factor um, in, in things and how um, how she was able to, you know, stay focused and, and stuff like that. I thought that her grit that she showed and the determination that she incorporated at the end of the game was huge. So um, the Cardinals back in the final four since 2018, their, um, their battle to cut down the nets for the first time in program history is an uphill battle. I will admit it starts out by playing the number one overall seeded South Carolina Gamecocks. We'll talk to you about why that they are a very tough opponent here in just a second. After we talk about our friends over at stat hero, the best time of the year, it's um, it's right now March Madness, but it's it's already coming to an end. I mean, the Final Four is a, is soon to be upon us. Um, as much as I think to believe, or as much as I believe to think that I have it all figured out in terms of figuring out uh, giant killers and bracket busters in terms of making a bracket, it's always pretty much debunked in the first day. Um, you know, that's kind of why I've kind of gravitated over to Stat Hero. Their NCAA single game pickems pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. It allows you to take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through to take on head to head. It's the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. Stat Hero is really what daily fantasy was meant to be so sign up for free while you can right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match once again that's stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match as always I want to say thank you for making us your first listen of the day and just a reminder the locked on global podcast is free on all streaming services five days a week your team every day the Cardinals back in the Final Four, first time since 2018 in which they lost to Mississippi State. Don't get me started on that game and the officiating on that game. Um, but the team now has the chance and the opportunity to get back to the NCAA championship game for the first time since 2013. The team that stands in their way is the number one overall seeded South Carolina Gamecocks. The Gamecocks are 33-2. and on the season, their journey to get to this point uh, defeated Howard in the first round by nearly 57 points, um, defeated Miami, uh, and then kind of um, struggled a little bit with North Carolina, but took them down 69 to 61. And in the Elite Eight, uh, a 30 point victory over the 10th seeded uh, Creighton 
uh, Blue Jays. So they didn't have to go through any of the two or three seeds. So Louisville is obviously the best team that they will have played throughout the tournament. Um, but this is a South Carolina team that not only has star star power, but they also have a ton of depth and a ton of size to go with it, which makes them a very tough opponent. Um, as I mentioned, I love to read the uh, preview from Datascribe on the um, ESPN.com uh, section of the game. I want to read this just so you have kind of a, an opening statement, if you will. Um, the South Carolina Gamecocks will compete with the Louisville Cardinals on Friday in the NCAA tournament. Tune in to watch this contest at 7 o'clock. Carolina took down Creighton in the team's last victory with Aaliyah Boston winning the effort by recording 19 points. South Carolina's 71.1 points per game this season outpaces the 55.2 points per contest Louisville allows. The Gamecocks are 32-2 when they put up over 55 points, which is all but one time this season. As a team, the Gamecocks shoot 67.6% from the free throw line, good for seventh in the SEC. Boston leads the Gamecocks, knocking down 3.4 per game while shooting 77% from the charity stripe. The Cardinals, on the other hand, average more points per game, 72.2, than the 50.5 South Carolina gives up. When Louisville reaches the 50-point mark, it is 29-4 on the season. They've done that all but one time this year. The Cardinals have outshot their opponents from distance this season, connecting on 6.1 three-pointers per game while giving up 4.8 to their opponent. When Louisville shoots its average from behind the arc, they are a perfect 15-0. Some key players to watch for South Carolina, you have obviously Aaliyah Boston, Destiny Henderson, Zaya Cook. Uh, for Louisville is Haley Van Lith, Kiana Smith, Emily Ingsler on Data Scribe. Um, it's preview for the game. So, um, like I mentioned, South Carolina is a truly dynamic team led by All-American Junior and quite possibly one of, if not the best player in Aaliyah Boston. She's nearly averaging 17 points, 12 rebounds, and uh, 2.5 rebounds per game. I'm sorry, 2.5 blocks per game. So, it's going to be uh, an uphill battle for the Cardinals. Um, Aaliyah Boston, 6'5", really is able to command the post. One of the keys to the game that I mentioned in the Locked On Now that uh, I posted on my Twitter account that you can find um, in the graphic below last night was that um, you know the Cardinals need to do whatever they can to limit the production that Aaliyah Boston is able to uh, put out there. Um, obviously, the focal point of the Carolina offense. But when you look at um, you know what else they're able to do, you know Destiny Henderson, who is a projected first-round pick, she's averaging 11 points per game, um, a team high, four assists. Zaya Cook, 10.7 points. Um, I think it's Leticia Amahir. I, I really could be pronouncing that wrong, so if I am, please forgive me. Um, Victoria uh, Victoria Saxton is 5.7 points. Camilla, Camilla Cardozo, 5.7. Bria Beal, 4.9. Uh, Lily Grissett, 3.4. Uh, Destiny Littleton, 2.9. Moving on. Down the list. So, I mean, it's very—it's a very balanced attack. They have a lot of depth that Don Staley is able to incorporate into the game plan. Not only that, but they're one of the best rebounding teams in the country, averaging 47.6 per game. So limiting what South Carolina is able to do on the boards, more specifically in terms of what they're able to do in terms of offensive rebounding and giving themselves second-chance opportunities, that has to be a focal point for the Cardinals. Um South Carolina statistically is a better team than Louisville on the defensive end. So um, it's going to take, you know, a very, very solid effort. I'm not naive enough to to understand the, um, 
you know, the um, dynamic of a contest like this. I understand it's going to be an uphill battle. It's not impossible, however. Louisville is a one seed. South Carolina has shown that they can sometimes uh, maybe not necessarily live up to their reputation. I mean, they're not um, – uh, put it this way. I don't think that this South Carolina team is like those UConn teams with uh, Brianna Stewart um, and even those with Maya Moore to where, you know, despite losing two games, I mean, they were absolutely – blowing out the competition so i mean this is a south carolina team that has shown to be a little bit more vulnerable than that there's no disrespect to them uh, that's really just kind of me saying look it's not impossible yes south carolina is a seven and a half point favorite going into this game it's going to be a sense where louisville is the underdog they're going to have to put together a very 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 good performance offensively and defensively. They're going to have to take care of the basketball. You're going to have to get um, some good shooting numbers from Emily Inksler, Chelsea Hall, Olivia Cochran, um, uh, Kiana Smith, Haley Van Lith is going to have to do what Haley Van Lith has been doing throughout the first four games of the NCAA tournament. So um, we'll continue to break down this matchup. Hopefully I will have either Cardinal Sports Zone women's basketball beat writer Sam Baisden on the show. If not, um, I will try to get Brian Trent, the women's basketball beat writer for stateofwobble.com. But ultimately, this is a huge matchup. Um, I think that the cards can hold their own. Um, I, I think that in terms of matching up with South Carolina, obviously the size is an aspect to where um, the Cardinals are going to have to um, – really rotate um, and, and supply health defense and stuff like that. So at the end of the day, um, I'm not going to make a prediction just yet. Um, I, I guess I would say South Carolina would probably come out victorious, but I, I want to, you know, mold this over. I want to analyze this matchup and break it down to a T and really kind of um, focus on, you know, the players to watch, the keys to the game, all that, so on and so forth. Like I mentioned, we're going to have a guest on the show to talk about that. I'm probably on the Friday edition of the show, I would I would assume. Um, but overall, it, it's going to be a very intriguing matchup. The women's basketball team has their work cut out for them, but you know the Cardinals have Jeff Walls and the rest of the coaching staff on their side. So really, really looking forward to seeing um, that contest and how Louisville comes out in that one. So, um, but with the last segment of the show, we're going to take a little bit of a step back. We're going to go into the men's basketball side of things where the program has seemingly lost two of its 2022 recruiting class signees as Deontay Davis and Frederick King were, were or they, they asked to be let out of their letters of intent. We'll talk about what that means for the team next season after we talk about our friends over at Bet Online. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion next Monday. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, and it remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online is where the game starts. So, um, if you've been paying attention to, sorry, I have to hook something up real quick. If you've been paying attention to uh, men's basketball recruiting and the transfer portal and stuff like that, um, it, it has been an absolute frenzy in terms of the transfer portal. Um, it is one of those things to where 
there's a lot of names that are entering. You know, this is a Louisville team that is seemingly going to need some more numbers. Um, I think right now with Frederick King and Deontay Davis, it seems like there's four open spots. Um, and th th these two asking for their releases out of their letters of intent, respectively, should not really come as a surprise to Louisville fans. We'll start out with, with Deontay Davis. Um, with uh, Davis getting let out of his letter of intent, it can be um, inferred that his older brother, DeAndre, Dre Davis, will be probably following him through the transfer portal, and it seems like those two will probably be a package deal for their next destination. Um, Davis is currently ranked as a top 150 prospect. When I watched um, Tay play, um, you know, I thought that maybe his his ranking didn't necessarily to live you know live up with what I saw on the court. I thought that he was more so of a of a top 100 guy, maybe in the late 80s, um, in the 90s, something like that. Um, but ultimately, it, it seems like um, his uh, path for playing time wasn't going to be year one. It, it seemed like he was going to be more of a project player. Um, Frederick King. On the other hand, uh, he was seemingly a project big man, uh, only 17 years old, I believe, um, a native from the Bahamas, um, an international prospect um, that was, I believe, ranked by a couple services inside of the top 40. Or I'm sorry, inside, I'm sorry, inside of the top 140. Um, but uh, it, it seemed like you know the six foot ten, 220 pound uh, center or, or forward, whatever you want to call him, uh, really showed out at the NBA Academy in Mexico back in um, you know last January, made a name for himself. Um, former Louisville assistant Ross McMains um, really, really liked his game, and they saw Frederick King as a diamond in the rough. He averaged 23 points, 12 rebounds per game in the NBA um, Latin America Academy. So um, ultimately, I, I think that this is a, an instance to where you might see him go to a place like Creighton, you know, a not necessarily a mid-major, but not in, in the Power Five. So um, I, I think that that would be a good move for him. Um, it's a little bit harder to see where uh, Dre and Tay Davis end up, considering the fact that a package deal makes it a little bit more interesting. And like I said, the, the transfer portal is popping off, so to speak, right now. So this really doesn't um, – this shouldn't surprise anyone um, that – uh, Tay Davis and Frederick King are looking to go elsewhere. I would still expect Kamari Lands uh, to be a Cardinal next season. Um, ultimately, it kind of comes down to Kenny Payne being able to recruit at a higher level than what Louisville is used to, um, the ability to use the transfer portal to fill out to the rest of the roster, and also um, the ability to um, get some 2023 guys to reclassify. Obviously, there's been talk of um, some 2022 guys like Sky Clark, um, Ward, the um, the decommitment from Xavier, um, you know, so on and so forth. So I think at the end of the day, you know, we wish both of them the best of luck. And if Dre follows his brother and, and decides to transfer, you know, we'll talk about that at a different time. But we wish whoever decides to lead the best of luck. There's no hard feelings um, at the end of the day. Um, you know, it, it's just a matter of those guys seeing what the best fit is for the Cardinals. Um, or I'm sorry, not what the best fit for the Cardinals. The best fit's for themselves. And I think Louisville's doing the same thing on the other hand. So um, I think the, 
the writing was on the wall. It seemed like uh, Tay and Frederick were. It was going to take a year or two for them to to see the court and to leave a, um, you know, if they were to get to the point to where they were able to contribute substantially. That's something not you know, maybe down the line. Um, so I think that Kenny Payne is probably looking for guys to fill out this roster that can get this team competitive and compete um, for an NCAA tournament bid in year one. Uh, thankfully, the transfer portal allows them to do that. There's still time for some two, 2022 guys to um, possibly make their way down to the Derby City and also possible 2023 um, reclassifications. There's a couple of different avenues that Kenny Payne can go down. Um, I think that you know, utilizing the transfer portal will be probably the top key um, for Payne and company, um, but ultimately – I think that he is just going to look for overall upgrades on the roster. So on tomorrow's episode, we will break down Sam Williamson's um, decision to enter the transfer portal when Jeremy Wallman joins the show. Thanks again for making Locked On Global your first listen every day. Like I mentioned, Jeremy Wallman on the show tomorrow. We'll talk about what the women's basketball team needs to do to um, get you know, over the hump and cut down the nets for the very first time. We'll also discuss why fans need to relax when it comes to um, you know having some patience and letting Kenny Payne do his job in trying to construct this roster. So um, once again, thanks again for making us your first listen of the day. Now do yourself a favor, make your second listen of the day locked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL to draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects in NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I um, want to give a quick shout out to the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast. Um, you can check that out at cardinalsportszone.com. But that's going to wrap up this Tuesday edition of the show. There's a special episode coming out with T-shirt hooligan owner Alan Thomas later on today. So be sure to check that out. Um, thanks go to everyone for liking, sharing, subscribing, listening, rating the podcast on whatever streaming service that they utilize. But that's going to wrap up this episode of the show. Everyone have a great day, and we will see you right back here tomorrow.